Roland. Huh? Roland. Frabalone's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 1035. Wow. March 13th, 2023. I forgot to put the record low. Huh. But the okay. record high in this day was 67 degrees. That was in 2012 when we just had an early and really warm and delightful spring. Oh, oh, I pine for 2012. Uh, I pine for it. Mm. I'm done with the thing. Oh. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east pining. shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Chris Reavers manning Technology Corner. Kenny Olson from the Krabby Coffee Shop, John Hyde in the newsroom, and of course, the rookie. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and the keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushir. I'm pleased to say that a lot of GLers are stepping up. They enjoyed that interview with Mickey Frost on Friday, who has founded uh, the Truce Center, T-R-U-C-E. 8218. And uh, Randy, for example, found that his company offers matching. So he sent True Center some dough, and other GLers did as well. Nice. So thank you. Because uh, Mickey does appear to be a fellow who's attempting to put his money where his mouth is, isn't he? Yes. All right. Like we this. now know that a block. Do you have this in your news, John, about the seaweed? I do, yes. Well, you can still have it in your news, but I'm okay, just so sure. fascinated. Uh, a giant seaweed bloom. Mm-hmm. So large. How, How large, large, is, large it? is it? Well, you should be able to answer that. What's the answer to that? So it's large. It's bigger than the United States. Yeah. It can huh? be seen from outer space. Huh. Oh, That's right. generally wow. a safe answer when something huh. says so large. It's headed towards Florida's Gulf Coast. Ooh. It's a sargassum bloom. It's 5,000 miles wide. Twice Jeez. the width of the United States. Now, width of the United States would be California to uh, the yeah. East Coast. Right. Right. right, to the Gulf. Height Florida. would, height would be Minnesota Canada to Texas. Yeah. yeah. Seaweed blob from space. Well, then how could it... Wouldn't it affect more than Florida? <clears throat> yes. What, what does this mean? It's the largest seaweed bloom in history well, isn't it that gonna... we know of. Okay, but wouldn't it? It's drifting between the Atlantic coast of Africa and the Gulf of Mexico. It's a thick mat of algae that can provide a habitat for marine life and absorb carbon dioxide. So are we? is this a good thing? Well, aren't we going to blame climate change for the no, huge No, then we get to blood? however paragraph. Ah. <laughs> however, the giant bloom can have disastrous consequences as it gets closer to the shore. Coral, for example, can be deprived of sunlight. As the seaweed decomposes, it can release hydrogen sulfide, negatively impact the air and water, and causing respiratory problems for people in the surrounding area. What we're seeing... <coughs> Perfect health. Excuse me. Drawn into some sarc... whatever it is. Yeah, sargassum. Sargassum. What we're seeing in the oh. satellite imagery does not <laughs> bode well for a clean beach year. Brian LaPointe, a research professor at Florida Atlantic University's Harbor Branch Oceanographic Institute. 
Okay. A little trouble with that word, didn't I? Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Certainly. It's what Monday. Gonna, what are you going to do? Is this going to affect spring break at all? I mean, I guess. Well, can we continue? Because I think, I think you obviously ask a, an important question. Thank you. Uh, well, it wasn't that good of a question. I just <laughs> Brian Barnes, an assistant research Dude. professor at the University of South Florida's College of Marine Science, told NBC that the sargassum can still threaten critical infrastructure if it remains in coast waters. It can, cl- it can block intake valves for things like power plants or desalination plants. Marinas can get completely inundated and boats can't navigate, Barnes said. The impending seaweed comes as Floridians along the state's southwest coast have complained about burning eyes and breathing problems. Dead fish have washed up on beaches. A beachside festival has been canceled. Uh, Florida's southwest coast experienced a flare-up of the toxic red algae this week, uh, the red tide. Setting off concern with well, the red tide, by the way, has been around since the beginning of time. Right. So all you euphorians settle down. Setting off concerns that it could continue to stick around for a while. The current bloom started in October. Red tide, a toxic algae bloom that occurs naturally in the Gulf of Mexico, is worsened by the presence of nutrients such as nitrogen. Uh, so uh, Florida Fish and Wildlife People are telling uh, uh, citizens not to swim in and around red tide waters over the possibility of skin irritation, rashes, and burning and sore eyes. And people with asthma and lung disease should avoid beaches affected by the algae. In other words, I'd scratch Florida off as a spring break destination. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just be done with it. Just don't even go. I'll tell you one thing. My Johnson doesn't like thick seaweed. Either does, and no outboard motor does, but outboard motors do have uh, devices on them to cut through the weeds. Yeah. You know, mine does. Right. right on, Joe. Right on, Joe. Thank you. Right on. What's the difference between red tide and blue tide? Um, they smell the same. Red paint? <laughs> they smell the same. Got it. You know what they should do for the, the big, big seaweed. Uh, hey, you know what they should do for the big seaweed. blob. What 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 was it years ago where you said, can't they just bring a big saw and cut it in half? Well, that was the that, that was floating nice. bog. The floating the bog. The floating bog. This one they just need yeah. a big chopper with a hook. You just That's put right. a big yep. hook and you drag. Well, but where do you put it? Cuba. All right, there we go. Wrap it around Cuba. Puerto Rico, it can be the um, like a, a wall against the next bad storm they're going to get. Uh, right? Do you know that yeah. the okay. uh, many, many uh, so-called right. experts <laughs> are having to delete tweets they've made regarding the doom of the Earth? For example, Greta Thunberg, who is the world's leading scientist. To go to. <laughs> She's a go-to. When it comes I did to, not know that. She is the leading scientist when it comes to uh, the climate. She had to delete uh, a 2018 tweet. Apparently, she must keep them. Huh? They're so yeah, they hang around. Yeah, yeah they're there. You can she, find them. She's had to delete a 2018 tweet saying that the world will end in 2023. Because inconveniently for her, <laughs> uh, the world has not ended. Not no, yet. still, it's still not plugging ended. away. Nature wins again. Yeah. Uh, perhaps no one on earth has better used the media's desire to promote climate change alarmism than Greta. 
Thunberg. She gets a lot of attention, doesn't she? She does for not really doing anything. And she's repeatedly warned that we're done. And she's having to delete some of that now. Is she? We call she, that eating some crow? I think so. No, she'll just keep saying it, hoping that one day she'll eventually be right. Mm-hmm. I didn't read much beyond that because uh, the young gal, uh, I, I think, is a complete fruitcake and uh, needs well, a lot of help. Ex- yeah, she's exhausting she, and noisy. Yeah, she needs a lot of help. And just uh, go sit in the corner. Yeah, she should go to school. No, wait, that's failed. Schools wouldn't help her. Isn't she come out against um, capitalism or something as of late? She's yeah. pushing communism well, or socialism. Well, that's what it always turns to. That's the the uh, climate is the last refuge of Marxists. They have nowhere else to turn. They've tried everything, and uh, we're going now with if you don't do what we tell you to do, the earth will end. Right. Well, she ain't ending. No, she keeps plugging along, mm-hmm. seaweed and all. Now, I I know this is. Essentially meaningless, but I couldn't help myself. The <laughs> Wild played at San Jose Saturday. I missed that yes. one. Yes. And I believe the Golden State Warriors were home either Saturday or Sunday. And I looked at the box scores for both events, and they were both sold out. Uh, and yet... The only news coming out of that part of California is, again, imminent doom from the uh, rain and snow. Now, I said it's essentially meaningless because apparently that must mean the rain and snow is a little farther north in California than, say, San Jose and the Bay Area. Uh, But what you tend to forget... When, if you just look at headlines or read the untrustworthy uh, accounts in general news gathering institutions, uh, I, I don't like the term mainstream media, which is why I call them news gathering institutions. You would think that California is uninhabitable right now, but you have to remember it's a very large state. I'll say, <laughs> and that that where. Where tremendous problems are happening mm-hmm. with snow and rain, those are problems that have always happened. It's just that now, as time passes, more and more people live in that harm's way. So, yes, of course, it's newsworthy. But generally speaking, uh, California, uh, A, has recovered from its drought, mm-hmm. B, reservoirs are full again. Farmers are figuring out how to contain this water so they'll have it for a long time. And yes, are towns getting flooded out? Yes, they are. Towns that weren't there 100 years ago. People that weren't living there 100 years ago when the same atmospheric rivers swept through Northern California, which is the way nature's been behaving in California since the beginning of time. But we we do live in a time when news-gathering institutions are complicit in selling you the catastrophe narrative, right? Uh, Scare tactics. It's the old story about if you if you woke up in a windowless hospital room from a coma, and you and the only thing you had on was the news. It doesn't even make any difference which newscast anymore. It used to be just CNN. 
Now, it's any newscast. You would not want to leave the hotel room. Right. You would assume, the hell out of you. You would assume that you're going to die from something because that's all the news gathering institutions wish to advance is their agenda of catastrophe. Far, far be it for me to defend news organizations, as oh, I God, always do. Here we go. <laughs> well, what I'm wondering is I saw <laughs> at least three cities today that were underwater. I mean, literally underwater in California. Now, should the news gathering folks ignore that? Or at the end of doing those stories, should they say, but don't worry because a large portion of California is not flooding? Well, so I, I can I don't tell want... that you, like a listener, didn't listen to what I was saying. Oh, okay. I said those yes. flooded towns are newsworthy. Well, but okay. those yeah. towns weren't there a hundred years ago. But I did say that's newsworthy. That flooded, yes. That's it's still terribly news. That I couldn't. I don't disagree. That's newsworthy. Well, then what should the news gatherers do? Should they report that that they're flooded? Yes, I said that they should. Well, well then, well, what are they doing wrong then? What they're doing wrong is there. there's no context offered. You would assume... That's why I looked up the two box scores for two meaningless games. Life is going on in California, with yes. rare exceptions, where this sure. is striking people that you didn't used to live there. I, what are they supposed to do? I don't understand. The news gathers. What What? What are they yeah. supposed to do? You tell me. You're You're the producer of tonight's 530 News. Uh, whatever town. I don't remember. I saw two or three this morning. They were late. underwater. Well, how absolutely. You, I'm leading with it because I'm selling catastrophe. Well, which completely <laughs> ignores the context that, the, for what? the most part, California and, is fine. And the context to you is... This always has happened. It's just happening now where people didn't used to live. So would you add that to the yes, story? Yes, I would. I See, that's, well, that's what I'm asking. What yeah, would you I would. do if you were the news gatherer? I would. I would say, uh, in the meantime, you know, it's true all over the world. So, so if your house is underwater right now, don't worry about it. This has been going on forever. Right. Just get used no, to it, dum-dum. it hasn't been going on forever because the house underwater was not there. So it's your fault that it's, your house yeah. is underwater because right. you built you a house. You moved there. You're a moron. This- <laughs> Folks, if you live there, don't worry about it. Call your brother a couple cities down. Nothing going on in his town. He's fine. Like, I think Johnny M. Height has a point here. Uh, <laughs> boy, I can just feel myself slowly losing my grip on the side of the cliff, and I'm going to fall. Right. Hang on loosely, but don't let go. I'm There's a trampoline fall. down there. Hit I'm that trampoline. Fall. There's a trampoline. <laughs> He'll bounce back. How did this begin? Oh, I don't know. by me looking at the attendance for the San Jose right. game and the that's right, yep. and the Warriors game. Warriors won in overtime. <laughs> oh, okay, that was kind of an odd approach, if you ask me. I thought we were going to talk about the Wild there for a second. <laughs> well, they beat San Jose and then yesterday lost at Arizona, that plays in the Mullet Arena. I don't like the Mullet. name. I saw that the Mullet Arena. Well, they it's Arizona State or, or it's the college campus. College Speaking of mullets. Can we just be done with this whole hair thing with the high school hockey league? I'm, I'm done with the hair. But that's funny. Every year they come out with the all-hockey hair team, oh, and this yeah. year was hilarious. I uh, did Uh-oh. enjoy the one young man, and I heard it referred to as he had the cul-de-sac. 
where he shaved the oh, top. Yeah, one oh, yeah, guy looked like uh, one of those three students. He did. Yes. He looked like Larry. But he, he had like the Larry. top of it shaved and it long on the side. I'd never heard that reference as a cul-de-sac before. But that's he spectacular. He had the cul-de-sac mullet. I yeah, love it. he did. All those kids are funny. But I kick out from the tournament any kid who dyes their hair. <laughs> just like, go home. You're not you're playing in this out. tournament. What about? You're, I don't care if you you're go the mullet cap, and long You're the captain hair. of the That's team, funny. but you're going home. You're going home if you put yeah. dye in it. That's yeah. it. Okay. I, you know, if I may interrupt again, I have an email <laughs> I just got from what I just asked. Isn't that weird? Seriously. What What did you just uh, ask about what the newscaster uh, should do? Yes. And Howard wrote me and said it's what they shouldn't do. They shouldn't automatically default to claiming climate change played a role. I agree with that. That was but concise. Re- that was a good they, answer. But they have to report the flooding, though, because that's the news. Yeah. So, yeah. in other words, John, if I had said, if I had said what your emailer friend just said, I would have been my, off your hook. He's not my friend. He's a listener. I mean, he may be my friend. Oh, you probably know him, John, and you're lying I about just, probably your email. neighbor. I, Did that come you know, from I, upstairs, I, John? I don't know him. And Chris and I just talked about him last week because he sent me another note that said, I don't always agree with you. Was oh, it like Howard Clary? Yes. Oh, yeah, oh Howard. Howard. Well, he is a friend. Howard is a friend of the show. Okay, well, there, yeah, you, there he's you a go. friend. Yeah. So, yeah. so I agree with Howard on that one. I, I just think it has to be reported. I, I just don't know how you could ignore it. Did you notice, guys, notice that they're setting us up for flooding in the Red River Valley, too, in the next month or so? We're already hearing the rumblings. Well, uh, I was under the impression that the way the winter got structured, uh, the soil was protected from a deep freeze so that the melt will be absorbed by the earth and we should not have disastrous flooding. What are you, a scientist? No, I'm a park you. ranger. Wow, park ranger Joe. <laughs> what are you, a park <laughs> ranger? Nice hat, pal. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, now, uh, I am looking a at a story badge? <laughs> four days ago that says the outlook, according to the National Weather Service, is greater than 65% of major flooding at the Red River and Fargo-Moorhead. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so who's right on that last one, me or Joe? <laughs> well, it'd be... You, That's all that matters. You, you Kenny, but it's Joe's show, so I'm going with Joe. Joe's right. right. <laughs> I've had a friend, I've known him all my life, Scott Mueller. Mueller Mortuaries. Yes, good guy. And uh, good family. Well, and he he takes his business to a level of comfort that's very unusual because he uh, he doesn't lose sight of the bigger picture. Right. And he knows that planning an event like this, a funeral, a memorial service, is difficult, and you don't want to have to spend a lot of time. It's not that you don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about it. You you don't want to spend a lot of time being decimated by it. Let him do it. Understood. He'll take care of it. It's family owned. They've been doing this for 75 years, over three generations. I've known the family uh, going back those generations. And uh, both my dad and my mom uh, were placed in the hands of Mueller. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, not my dad so much because the bar came after. (laughs) But by the time my mom had a memorial service. I remember that, yes. Uh, there was a bar set up. I took the, advantage of that. At the White Bear uh, Mortuary. And it's it's not there because people are going to get soused. It's there because people want to tell stories. And it's a comfort level. Relax. It and puts you at ease. Have a degree of comfort. But Mueller will handle all the difficult details. They'll create the perfect event 
to honor your loved one and bring families together to celebrate those lives that are well lived. Uh, I know these guys. I'm not. Uh, we we talked about this. Do you really want to? You want to come on the show, Mueller? And he goes, Yes, I do. It's important to know. It's not a fun thing to think about, but he handles it. So get a hold of uh, Mueller. It's Mueller M U E L L E R. MuellerMemorial.com to to learn more. And in fact, Scott has written a book called What to Know Before You Go. And uh, he'll answer the most commonly asked questions about death, grief, and funerals in a uh, an informative way. MuellerMemorial.com. Joe Suchere, the keeper of common sense. We still get a lot of questions from GLs that, uh, GLers that are intrigued by seafoam but have never actually used it yet and not sure if it's good for their vehicle. Questions like, can I use it in my RV or my generator, my classic car? The answer, yes, yes, yes. Seafoam is safe in both gas and diesel cars and trucks, mowers, outboards, anything basically with a gas tank, carburetors, injectors, just fine, whatever you got. Uh, Seafoam is your friend, and is it easy to use? You better bet your britches. Just open a can, dump it in the fuel tank, away you go. But the biggest question, is it safe? Again, yes, very safe. Seafoam does not uh, contain any harsh chemicals. It's made with 100% petroleum ingredients that are safe in any engine. You can find it everywhere. Neighborhood auto parts stores, farm hardware stores, big retailers, Pick up a can today and start reaping the benefits today, right away. A wonderful product in a world of bad gas, seafoam. We have a new thing that is racist. Hmm. Sleep. Oh, what? Uh It's about time we add to the list. Sleep is racist because black people don't sleep as well as white people. Huh. Oh, okay. So that then we just call it, we throw in the towel and say it's racist. Yeah. Well, you got researchers at the U of M. Uh, who as say that uh, hmm. people who don't sleep well appear to be at a higher risk for a slew of Slu- negative health outcomes, including cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, death. And black and brown people have less access to sleep than white people. Hmm. Say, wait, run that by me again. What? Black and brown people okay. have less access to sleep as a resource. I never considered sleep a resource, but where, it's a resource. Where do you find sleep? Then white people, said Professor Rachel, Rachel Widome of the University of Minnesota School of Public Health. So sleep is like air, except... It if, can if leave the inner no, city. See, you you're white, so you own sleeping. Oh, okay. I you just, don't get to you don't give it to black people. It's just people. available to me. That's it. available okay. to you, but okay. it's not available to people of color. Got it. Why? Why do they say why? Well, uh, because let's see where they say why. Uh, no, let's see. Oh, they just say it. No, I'm sure we're going to learn that because black people have to live near a freeway or something. Uh, the picture that has emerged from a decade of research is that black and brown Americans are much more likely to sleep poorly than white Americans. The darker a person's skin, the darker a person's skin color is, the worse their sleep tends to be, said Professor Dana Johnson, a sleep epidemiologist at Emory 
University in Atlanta. The theory is that racial minorities experience a stress that is unique and chronic and, and additive to the general stressors that all people experience, said Johnson, who was one of the first researchers to work on sleep disparities. Hmm. We all experience stress, but there are added stressors for certain groups and for certain populations. Racism fits into that category. Got it. So hmm. it's another thing we're supposed to be guilty of. Where does... Uh where does young Rachel, where, does, where, do, where is she an instructor? Emory University. Mm, interesting. People who experience racism and ruminate it about it at night may have problems falling asleep, according to a study led by Johnson in the journal Sleep. Hmm. If people anticipate racism, they may find interference with their sleep-wake cycle since their body may be in a heightened state of arousal. Oh, with higher blood pressure and variability of heart rate. Structural racism is a fundamental contributor to sleep disparities, Johnson said. Here we go. For example, people of color are more likely to live in neighborhoods not conducive to sleep. Huh. Those are called sleep deserts. You know, we have food deserts. Yeah. Yeah. This is places we, without sleep. This, that's where you don't, you don't want to live in that neighborhood because you don't sleep there. Is there signage? I mean, how do you know? Well, there's a sign, mm. and 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 trees, trees. You know, the the trees are, are uh, racist, okay? Because the because white people own all the trees, right? And don't let black people have trees. They don't appreciate trees. No, no, no. Uh, and and the outdoors is racist. Because black people apparently don't access the outdoors out of fear of running into you. Right. right. They don't like camping? Is that what they're saying? No, there's no bird watching or You're anything. You're not here for the camping. So there's so often we have to have programs to, to take the kids out and bird watch and fish because white people own birds and fish, and they're not allowing anyone to use that. Do yeah. they address white folks that might get up every night between, oh, say, 11.30 and 1.30 and... Just kind of walk around the house, maybe eat a piece of pie, and then eventually go back to bed. <laughs> that that Kenny would be an enlarged prostate, and that probably is. Uh, that's white people own prostates too. Got it. So they got it. So oh, hmm. I didn't know I bought stock. Yeah, what's it pay? <laughs> the longer a foreign-born person lives in the U.S., the worse their sleep becomes. Johnson said, "Let's review who Johnson is." Johnson is Professor Dana A. Johnson, a sleep epide epidemiologist at Emory University in Alabama. Uh, the National Institutes of Health has funded more research on sleep disparities, and it is now considered a priority area, Johnson said. But developing ways to solve the issue is in its infancy. Okay. Uh I don't know what to say to my uh, black and brown friends. Uh, I guess you live in neighborhoods that are sleep deserts. You know, just like there are areas that are tree deserts. Yeah. And there are areas that are food deserts. I don't like food deserts. I want food available. I know you do. <laughs> yeah, that scares me. More yeah. than sleep uh, You deserts. know, wherever you lived would not be a food desert. <laughs> Yeah, I would. I would look. I would really highly research that before I made the move. Sleep, you know, you sleep when you're dead, right? 
No, I, be, I sleep's important. No one's doubting that. Well, you got to get that REM. You got to get that uh, hardcore. Can't be just nap, uh, nap here. Loud nap traffic, here. for example. Yeah. Uh, that's loud traffic is only made by white people. Okay. There are no no one else uh, makes loud traffic except white people. And that's what's keeping the black. People and a lot of times that away. affects people trying to sleep. Okay. This is really an interesting study. How did they study this? Mm-hmm. I wonder who paid for that. Courtesy of the Star Tribune, Joe, the University of Minnesota is asking state lawmakers for an additional $97.5 million over the next two years, largely to cover an unexpectedly large drop in enrollment and a proposed tuition freeze. Yeah, I saw that. And, and I'm it, wondering how many stories like this all across the country are causing parents and kids to go, you know what? This is pretty much a gigantic waste of time and money. Isn't that exactly the same as we need this money to pay ourselves because we're no longer getting enough tuition money? Yes. When your when your enrollment goes down, why wouldn't your costs go down? Oh no, they they go up. Oh, <laughs> when when we have less students, Joe. That's how it works in mm-hmm. in big academia. Mm-hmm. I, wow. I, apparently, Somali residents are particularly affected here in Minnesota. Mm. They don't sleep as well because white people own the sleep. I didn't know that. And the Somali residents uh, committed fraud trying to get it, ah. but that, that was caught. Okay. Yeah. I, I have a question for the researcher I'd love to ask. Uh, yeah. is, is the researcher there? Can I can I talk to the researcher? Just a sure. minute. The researcher, yeah, uh, the Minnesota researcher... Is uh, Rachel, uh, Professor Ivan Wu? Oh. Professor Ivan Wu, uh, Professor, what if you're white and you have all of the above symptoms? Well, if you're white, well, Ivan you have, Ivan Wu, all of the above, Ivan Wu, yeah. W U, Doctor Wu, no, 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 no. no uh, Ivan Wu. Sorry, Joe, that uh, that was a crash and burn. Hey, my fault. I thought my, you were going to go fault. with the Ric Flair. Woo. Oh, it's it's a Monday, so you know. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll hold off. We'll on put the, some oil in the transfer would, case and work on that. Why would a guy named Ivan Wu talk like Mad Dog Vachon? Because he's a researcher. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Are you with me, Doctor yeah. Wu? Yeah, Doctor. Are you really just a shadow of the man that I once knew, Doctor Wu? Doctor Wu. What do you need to know? Are no. you crazy? Yes. Are you, are you high? Or yes. just an ordinary guy? Ordinary guy. Can you hear me, Dr. Wu? No. Right. Many Anyways. Somali residents in the Twin Cities <laughs> believe smoke detectors that can beep around oh. the clock oh, God. are working oh. properly. What? Huh? <laughs> Wait. What now? Wait. What does that have to do with sleeping? Same story. Oh. <laughs> I think that's one of those deals that you click on that. It's a it's a clickbait thing. Well, we have we have Professor Abdi Fatah Ali of the Hughes Carlson School of Management, uh, who believes uh, Somali residents believe that a smoke detector that beeps around the clock is working properly. Are, they're not supposed to beep, are they? They're, they're no. only supposed to oh, beep no, when, that's when you smoke. check them. Oh, right, yeah. that's when you check smoke. them. If you, right. if you get the chirp, that means you need a new battery. Such information could be corrected with a community-wide effort. 
See, if we just spent oh, some this money, is just instinct. You just got to spend some money to tell Somali residents the smoke detector is not supposed to beep around the clock. No, see, that means you need a new battery. Oh. <laughs> Somalis are not that stupid. What, what does that have to do with? No, that's that's a battery problem, uh, Abdi. Uh, I, I just, uh, you know. I, you know, this, uh, surprisingly enough, this is a really old story with a bunch of studies. Mm-hmm. I mean, your story's new, but right. it's been, they've been studying it since at least 2005, according to what I'm finding. Yeah. Which, which tells me they got a lot of free time. Well, maybe they drag it out when tuition's down and they're asking for more money. <laughs> that might be. That's when it surfaces. Do we got anything? Resurfaces. Do we have anything to throw out there? No, nah, let's we try got sleep. that sleep thing. Yeah, remember that? Somalis aren't sleeping because of smoke detectors. Bring that out. <laughs> Thanks, Hank. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Is the world going to survive? I know a lot of white people. That have sleep problems. I know a lot of black people that sleep. I know a lot of black people who don't have sleep problems. Amen to that. What are we supposed to do about that? I know I a lot up. of I know a lot of white people who when the smoke detector needs a new battery, just say the hell with it and rip out the old one so it stops beating. <laughs> right. Isn't that what you're uh Sports talk host. Uh, my, my man Patrick, he can't, couldn't put. He, what kind of battery do we need battery. here? I gotta get a new battery. Is this double D? <laughs> it's one of those square ones, Pat. I mean, there's not a, a black D? person alive. Is that the one you put your uh, your tongue, tongue on? on it. That's goes, the one. You get yep. a little shock. There's not yep. a black person alive who's tried to stop their house from flooding. By bailing out the sump pump with a drinking glass. Not a black person alive. I would agree. But I know a white guy who tried to keep his basement (laughs) from flooding by using a drinking glass. Pouring (laughs) the glass into a bucket and then realizing, I don't think this will work. (laughs) Elijah, there's a hole in this bucket. Then he upgraded to a pan. Then he got a pan. Where are the pans? Black people. And he had to have that steady... You know, he was trying to, the pan's full, and it's, yeah. he's trying to steady it, but he's he's shaking like this, so the water's going everywhere. This is to the point where the researchers said, Somalis are so stupid. Yeah, I don't buy that. That they think that a smoke detector should beep all night long. No, I don't believe Somalis are that stupid. If they were smart enough to get out of Somalia here, in harm's they? way, and they got here, one of them became right. a congresswoman. Right? Yeah. Come on. Guys. I wonder if. I wonder if. Uh, what's her name? Omar. Ilhan Omar. Ilhan I wonder Ilhan if Omar. her smoke detector goes off all night long and she's sleep deprived. She doesn't know what it means. Mm-hmm. I don't think she knows what it means. Would it be funny if you were interviewing Ilhan Omar and in the background you heard the smoke detector <laughs> yeah. beeping? Beep. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, speaking of that, let's go. Just, let's, let's you know move what? On. Very smooth segue. Yeah. Very smooth segue. <laughs> you're, the, you're the master of that. Federal officials are planning to announce charges against more people Monday. Hey, let me stop right there. If you were smart enough to rip the government off at $250 million with your phony food fraud scandal, mm-hmm. you're smart enough to turn off your smoke detector. I, I think so. 
Right? You're out on. You're out there on a limb. You're way out there. I'm going to go way out there. We're going to get think of all the think of all the sleep they're losing if they're one of the accused. Yeah, they're staying up late counting money. The U.S. Attorney's Office says federal law enforcement officials, thank God they're still on this, and U.S. Attorney Andrew Luger will announce charges against 10 people. They did that about an hour ago. Luger announced uh, the first charges in the scheme against nearly four dozen people back in September. Since that time, at least three others have been charged and at least five have pleaded guilty. They face charges ranging from conspiracy, wire fraud, bribery, and money laundering. So I'm sure your local news outlets attended the 11 a.m. press conference with Andrew Luger. Uh, Authorities say Feeding Our Future's founder and director Amy Bach oversaw the scheme and recruited people and entities to open federal child nutrition program sites. Those sites then claim to be serving meals to thousands of children per day. And at the Department of Education, when a bill came in for $5 million because someone said, we feed a million kids a day, mm-hmm. it didn't occur to anybody in the Department of Education to find that curious. That's a lot of kids. Nor has the, gover- the governor ever found that curious, nor has the departed director of his appointed director of education, whose name we keeps forgetting, slinked off back to Mankato in her retirement, never said a word about it. Hmm. We are poorly, poorly led. The attorney's office said Feeding Our Future opened more than 250 sites across the state got $240 million bucks in federal funding, and most of it was used to buy luxury vehicles, property, and travel. And no one in the Walls administration raised an eyebrow until it was pointed out to them by the Sahan Journal. Okay. A the Somali-run yes. newspaper. Yes. But I do believe Governor Walls was quoted as saying he was shocked. He was shocked. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Sahan Journal printed the 14 names of the defendants. Yep. They're all, uh, they all uh, appear to be Somali, except the last one, number 14, Sharon Ross. Mm-hmm. Well, because not before. all Somalis, of course, were involved in the food fraud scandal. Correct. And the Sahan Journal, to its credit, has done some good news reporting, unlike the local typical news-gathering institutions. But I will continue to defend the Pioneer Press because they literally don't have a staff. Hmm. The Star Tribune, uh, as I've said many times, is lucky to be owned by Glenn Taylor. They have enough people. They're just not very good at it. Hmm. Well, I'd be anxious to see the results of the uh, press conference today. I, I, I do have some of that. I'll have it in the news. My favorite part, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it, uh, the new stuff was in smaller Minnesota towns. Mm-hmm. And, and the one, for instance, I like, uh, one person allegedly claimed to serve 2,560 meals daily to needy children in Pelican Rapids. What? Which, which really? is interesting. That's Does interesting Pelican Rapids have 1,000 children? Their, their population in total yeah. 
2,500. Really? So they were they were oh. serving more meals to needy children daily than they have population. Oh, people coming in from across the border. Yeah, they stop by. Hey, haven't seen you Running over there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ma, let's go get some free food. Yeah. Two are from Faribault. And yeah. a great email from a rural kid about schools, and I can't find it. For some time now in Garage Logic, I have been telling you guys all about Minnesota Masonic Charities. They're online at minnesotamasoniccharities.org. And again, the reason for them coming on Garage Logic is they want to get the word out. They want you to learn more about everything that they do. Yes, it is a it is a cliche that they wear the funny hats, they have the handshake, they meet in secret, but what they're doing right now is they're opening their doors to the public to let them know what great charitable organizations they are. They come from a nice merger in 2006, several long-standing charities in Minnesota Masonry combined to create one umbrella organization, and that's Minnesota Masonic Charities. Their mission to promote even greater levels of philanthropy, and they certainly are doing that, which is why, again, they're opening up to everybody saying, learn more about us. How do you do that? Well, you go to their website. You can learn about scholarships. You can learn about uh, how they care for the old people, how they care for the children. And you just can learn the great stuff that they do. Too much to name here. I only have uh, one minute, by the way, 5960. Call them if you have questions, 952-948-6200. Or better yet, the best place to go is their website, minnesotamasoniccharities.org. Go there, learn more, and let them know you heard it on the Garage Logic podcast. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. It's go time, GLers. The best time to buy a Toro snowblower is right now at the big spring sale on Toro Power Clear single-stage blowers and Power Max two-stage snowblowers. It's all happening at Tri-State Bobcat. Little Canada, Hudson, Burnsville. I promise you, you won't find a better deal. And whether you opt for the single-stage Power Clear or the two-stage Power Max, you're going to look forward to the next snowfall with these Toro snowblowers. Same deal going on with the uh, Toro zero-turn mowers. Big sale, best pricing on select previous model years. The Time Cutter and the Titan zero-turn mowers, anywhere from 42 to 60 inches, with discounts ranging from 10 to 20% under the promo prices. Call call any Tri-State Bobcat. Tell them you're a GLer. You need a snowblower or a zero-turn, and you'll get the best pricing of the year. Mankey's Outdoor Equipment in Owatonna, now part of the Tri-State family, so all the pricing and promos also available in Owatonna. Get to one of these locations in the Twin Cities, Burnsville, Little Canada, or Hudson, and see everything at tristatebobcat.com. Uh, I found it. I have a, a note from uh, Frank S. The uh, subject line is a student's view of a rural school. A student's view of a rural school. I wanted to read this before John's news. Hail the flashlight king. Hail, Hail you. I'm Frank. A 15-year-old kid has been listening to you guys since I was born. My dad would always put you guys on in the podcast form. Before that, he would tape your shows. We both love the show, and we always have deep conversations about it when we're driving, listening to it. Now, I just listened to the 310 podcast. That was Friday when we had Mickey Frost on. And I wanted to offer what I see in school every day. Now, this is a rather rural school in Hubbard County. 
Most of the kids are normal, just going about class, talking about their trucks and working in the shop whenever they have free time. All those kids have plans for after school. Most of them are going into the trades. Then there are the troublemakers, the kids who think that they are gangsters selling vapes to other kids who are just trying to get by with all the stress in their life, mostly from poor parental situations. I know many kids who have started vaping because their parents are getting divorced, are divorced, or are a single-parent home. They deal with stress I will never know, and that affects them, and they look uh, for escape anywhere they can. Now, these wannabe gangsters just make trouble. They play fight in the bathroom, smoke dope in there, too, and they don't go to class. But these kids aren't mean, and they're fairly nice, but they just make trouble for the administration. That's what I see every day. Now, what I think is the real problem is the destruction of the nuclear family, uh, fathers leaving, divorce, etc. I don't know how that can be helped out, but I believe that's the problem. I know I said a bunch of very nihilistic things, but the group of kids causing trouble is about 10 out of 125, although the amount of kids vaping is a lot higher. Probably 45% of the kids vape and 70% have now, those numbers are depressing, but I want you to think of all the kids who have plans, dreams, and ways to achieve them. So think of that 70% of the kids have a plan. I thought you needed a little bit of hope after Friday's show. Frank S., always pushing from my rural home. <laughs> so it sounds like it sounds pretty like it was in my day. You got a few screwballs. Yeah. But you're always going to have a few screwballs. No matter where. No matter right. what school. I wonder Private, what they're, public. What are, what are they vaping? I don't understand the whole vaping thing. Well, is it tobacco or is it THC? What well, I don't know. What, what do we do? You put something in a vape machine? A cartridge, yeah. A cartridge, yeah. A cartridge liquid. Well, I guess kids are doing that. Yes, they are. So there you go. I'll are. take the Marlboro flavor. <laughs> I, Can I get the Paul Mall flavor? Here's well, I love Paul Malls and the That's, red pack. No believe it or not, Matthew, it's not easy. Uh, I I. Thought this would be an option a few years ago. You can't find one that tastes like a cigarette, or I, I couldn't then. I remember Corzo uh, when Corzo was filling in. We started talking about vaping years and years ago, yeah. and so he he was vaping, and he went to the place and said, "They said, what flavor do you want?" And he said, yeah. like Vantage or Pall Mall or whatever it was." Yeah, and the guy yeah. said, no, no, it's you get cherry or grape or whatever it is. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. There's hundreds, hundreds of flavors. I have two vapors in my household. Uh -huh. so. uh, motion to uh, create a new liner for the show with mm -hmm. your approval. Yeah, sure. sure. Here's a guy who's not afraid to tackle a subject he knows nothing about. Right. <laughs> Joe wow. Souchere. Mm -hmm. Accuracy. Because you want to tackle the bank subject next, right? I know just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> just enough we're, to be dangerous. We're in trouble. Here's John Haidt in his newsroom. Thank you, Joe. As you uh, started talking about a little bit ago, federal officials have announced charges against 10 more people in connection to the massive COVID-19-related Feeding Our Future fraud scheme. U.S. Attorney uh, Andrew Luger and federal law enforcement officials announced charges against new defendants this morning. Luger said those defendants, just like the first 50 announced last fall, falsely claimed to be feeding thousands of children a day. According to Luger, the 10 most recently charged folks operated sites in Pelican Rapids, Faribault, Burnsville, Minnetonka, Bloomington, Minneapolis, and St. Paul. 
Luger had announced the first charges of the scheme against nearly four dozen people back in September. Since that time, at least three others have been charged and at least five have pleaded guilty. They face charges ranging from conspiracy, wire fraud, bribery, and money laundering. In outlining the new charges today, Luger singled out allegations against 41-year-old Kausar Jama of Egan, indicting her for her part in an alleged $3.7 million scheme to falsely claim that she served 1.46 million meals to kids while under the sponsorship of Feeding Our Future. Wow. Uh, Under the sponsorship of who, John? uh, Of Feeding Our Future. Okay. Yep. Uh, Luger said JAMA claimed to operate federal food aid sites in Pelican Rapids, Burnsville, and Minneapolis. Uh, Now, this I mentioned a little earlier. Tell us the Pelican Rapids one. In the uh, small town of Pelican Rapids, we've all been there. They got the big pelicans, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jama allegedly claimed to serve 2,560 meals every day. Every wow. day. Wow. Children. 2,000, how many, Jen? 560. 2,560 meals a day in Pelican Rapids. Yep, to needy kids. The weird part about that is Pelican Rapids population, adult and kids, is about 2,500. Yeah, yeah. So, and you, uh, taxpayers of Minnesota, you are you are uh, suckers. Uh, we are held captive by a bureaucracy so incompetent, incompetent that it didn't occur to anybody to say, "Wait a minute, how can this lady claiming claim to be feeding more the every kids every day that?" outpace the entire population of the town. But what should anger us even more is, and Kenny pointed this out last week, none of these people are facing serious consequences. Not serious enough for me. Lock them up. Well, the one person was given a $1,000 fine. I want her to sell her Lamborghinis and sell her house and and give give me all the money back. It's my money. But that was in local court, wasn't it? It wasn't in federal court. Right. Oh, okay. These yeah, people are indicted in federal court, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Who was Luger's... the idiot that gave her the check? We'll never know that. No. We'll never we'll know never that. Know. No. We, we can't fo- But it should be. You should be able to follow that paper trail. That's and, and the person who wrote the check will not face any repercussions. Today, Luger said the government has seized about $66.6 million in property, and that is climbing. So there's there's the cars, apparently. Well, we're clawing back. He did not provide an updated tally on the total alleged fraud, but said that it's growing and will continue to grow. So that $250 million number could go a little higher, it sounds like. Of the 60 people now charged, six have pleaded guilty. Three of the 10 new defendants announced on Monday have meanwhile been charged via felony information. Luger said that those charged in that manner are expected to plead guilty. Not only did these people have us figured out in terms of realizing that the bureaucracy was ripe for this kind of scam, but they got to be saying to themselves, these people are really idiots, meaning us. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. so complex, isn't it? At least for me, it is. It's hard to believe that someone didn't have an involvement on the inside. That's how complex the story is. 
that they would know all of this ahead of time is what I'm trying to say. Well, he, the director of the Department of Education apparently didn't know anything. She's been allowed to retire. But didn't we find out, though, that a lot of these people had ties to people holding public office? I have no idea. Well, yeah, you had a few uh, city there council few, people yeah. in Minneapolis that were getting campaign donations from these people. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Give us the grand, uh, give us the Pelican Rapids numbers again, John. I want everyone to maybe write them down. Just remember them. The uh, number of kids fed daily in Pelican Rapids, according uh, to this defendant, was 2,560 every day. 2,560. And the actual population of the entire city of Pelican Rapids yep. is 2,500. All right. Really? Oh, that's mm. amazing. Those near to wells from Earhart are rolling up there. That's what it so. is. Yeah. Yeah. And Dunn Villa. I know what you Where folks in Dunn Villa are doing. Where is Pelican? Uh, it's Rapids? between I 94 and DL. Yeah. Up by Detroit Lakes. Correct. Yep. yep. Yeah. Boy, that's a lot of kids got fed, didn't they, John? They, they really did. Every day. Yeah. Every day. 2560. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Minnesota State Senator Tori Westrom was hurt in a snowmobile accident around 3 o'clock Sunday on Lake Ida, according to the Senate Republican Caucus and the Douglas County Sheriff's Office. Early information from the Sheriff's Office indicates the snowmobile driven by a 13-year-old family member of Westrom hit a packed snowdrift and the impact threw Westrom from his passenger spot. Deputies who went to the scene after a 911 call found the teen who was not hurt and Westrom, who was experiencing upper body pain, a representative of the Senate Republican Caucus said Westrom is recovering in the hospital. The caucus also noted the teen was licensed to drive the snowmobile. Did you see a picture of this guy? Yeah, I did. Was that taken before or after the accident? Hey now, hey now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's all right, isn't he? He's yeah. yeah he's, I, he I don't want to make fun of the. But he's got the one eye that's he can see behind him. He can see directly behind him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe he was spooked by something that was... The Marty Feldman deal? He got a Marty Feldman look going there, and I thought, wow, is this before or after he fell off the sled? <laughs> boom. You know, it's a boom. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <clears throat> Let me collect myself. Yes. Well, he's Google. There you go. He's Google. He's Google. Yeah. yeah. Barney Google. Uh, three people. No, I don't want to do a serious story after that. Hang on. <laughs> Oh, uh, here we go. Laugh. Here's one. <laughs> Try this one on. No, he uh-huh. meant for you, John. He oh, I story. See. Try Shut this up. one. Here we go. Young. Minneapolis residents are looking forward to job growth after Ion Corporation announced an Aerosmith, uh, Aerosmith, Aerospace expansion. <laughs> love it and I love it. Uh, Making some space yeah. products. <laughs> what the hell? Quickly, man. Within the last month, Chase Bank pulled the plug on its plan to open up a branch in North Minneapolis. Then, of course, as we know, Aldi shut its doors and Walgreens closed a nearby location. While well, the company, this company, Ion Corporation, should bring some much needed development in the area. River North Development Partners teamed up with Ion Corporation to expand the aerospace business in the area. The black-owned manufacturing facility will bring over 100 jobs to West Broadway Avenue with positions like aerospace technician. The expansion is rooted in the desire to create opportunity to build economic wealth in that area of the city. 
60% of those jobs would be available to community members who only have a high school diploma and will pay them a family-sustaining wage with a career trajectory. That, according to Anthony Taylor, Managing Director of River North Development, the north side of Minneapolis has faced some challenges bringing in new investments, but this move is expected to generate as much as $24 million each year in revenue. Does the public have to build the building for him? Um, the old tax I, increment I, I, financing I, deal. Uh, don't tell me that out of the goodness of his heart he's going to do this. He's getting a taste somehow. Right. I, I mean, go, so, for, yes. go, pal. I'm all for you, but he's not going to just go to the bank and get a loan and do this. He's obviously getting city money somehow or state or the money. Com- the company itself, sure. Iron, I'm sure, is contributing yeah. some money to it. So. Yeah. Three people were brought to the hospital after a plane crash near Flying Cloud Airport. Uh, Flying Cloud Airport at about 9:40 Saturday night. Police in Eden Prairie say the plane was engulfed in flames, and that the three people taken to the hospital had no, no apparent life-threatening injuries. Authorities say there were no additional injuries or property damage from the crash. Part of Spring Road was closed after the crash, but Eden Prairie police say the road was opened again by Sunday morning. The cause of the crash under investigation by the Federal Aviation Administration and the National Transportation Safety Board. President Biden today said the banking system is safe. He's stressing steps, okay. steps taken to limit the fallout from the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and shore up confidence in the financial system. The president's remarks come one day after federal regulators announced emergency measures to guarantee all depositors with money at Silicon Valley Bank following its failure rather than the standard quarter million dollars in insured deposits. Federal regulators said any losses to the government's fund would be recovered in a special assessment on banks and that the U.S. taxpayers wouldn't bear any losses. Regulators took control of SVB on Friday and on Sunday said they had taken control of a second lender, Signature Bank, one of the main banks for cryptocurrency companies. Officials took the extraordinary step of designating SVB and Signature Bank as a systemic risk to the financial system, which give regulators flexibility to guarantee uninsured deposits. The president said that deposits in the two banks were safe and customers would have access to their money starting today. No losses would be borne, he said, by taxpayers. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Because of the actions of that, because of the actions that our regulators have already taken, every American should feel confident that their deposits will be there if and when they need them. Joe, I don't feel confident about anything. How's that build back better working out for everyone? Mm -hmm. Mr. Potter! Mr. Potter! Harry Bailey, George Bailey might as well be running this bank. Mary, don't you know me? (laughs) Ernie! A large number of migrants in Mexico who were, quote, posing a potential threat to make a mass entry into the United States were prevented from crossing a bridge leading to El Paso, Texas yesterday, according to U.S. Customs and Border Protection spokesperson. Physical barriers were put up to restrict entry at the Paso del Norte International Bridge on Sunday afternoon, according to spokesperson Roger Mayer. 
Barricades also were used for a short time at an El Paso crossing at the Bridge of Americas and one at Stanton. Traffic was reopened and flowing in both directions as of Sunday evening. Mayor said the Office of Field Ops, Special Response Team, and U.S. Border Patrol agents assisted customs officers. At first, it wasn't known what caused the attempted mass crossing, but then people who were trying to cross were spoken to. They said they were promised it was a, quote, day of the migrant celebration and that they would be able to cross the border in the <laughs> afternoon on Sunday. Isn't it pretty much every day? <laughs> day of the- yeah. What's distinct about today, right? Yeah. yeah. The day of the crossing. Yeah. 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 It's like free grandstands or something at an event. Hey, get into the football game free today. Kenny, Chile. Yeah. Just remember Chile. Chile. The country. Chile. That's where Chile. the uh, that's where the aliens Chile. are gathering. Let's get them. Oh, oh. Yeah, I saw the footage. Mm-hmm. That in Alaska. Yep. So they're actually doing it right now? Yeah, yeah. this will be the yeah. year you'll know. Oh, this is the year yikes. we're going to know. All right. Vinyl albums outsold CDs last year for the first time since 1987. Wow. According to the Recording Industry Association of America's year-end report released late last week, it marked the 16th consecutive year of growth in vinyl with 41 million albums sold. That compares to 33 million CDs. I didn't know you could still buy an album. Oh, yeah. I don't even own a turntable. They're hot as hell albums. Yeah. Yeah. You don't own a turntable? Really? No. You got any albums you want to give me? I did. I took all my albums to Cheapo years and years ago. It's a shame I didn't keep them. Yeah, I bet you got a good price for them. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. bring in a hundred, get like three bucks. Yeah, yeah. Now you would. So you, yeah. you messed up, Joe. Sorry. I really did. <laughs> I actually started about three years ago recollecting vinyl. So too late but for the- me. I gave away all my baseball cards. Streaming is still the biggest driver of the music industry's growth, making up 84% of recorded music revenue, but physical music format saw a resurgence in the past couple of years. Vinyl revenue grew 17% and topped $1.2 billion last year, making up nearly three-quarters of the revenue brought in by physical music. The pandemic had led to a spike in demand for vinyl records, driven largely by younger buyers. Artists, including Adele and Taylor Swift, made pop a fast-growing genre on vinyl, and many independent manufacturers struggled to ramp up and meet demand after years of decline. That forced some bands to push back album release dates and stop small artists from being able to press records. Uh, They are opening, I just read the other day, several new plants around the U.S. because they just cannot keep up with the number of albums that people want to Is the sound quality better? What's driving this? Well, vinyl sounds a thousand times better than CDs. Oh, seriously? Well, I, I didn't mean for you to. Well, can you not like be that, a pompous jackass yeah. about it? Because I, I have the I same question. I thought Just everybody knew that. D- educate us without being a prick, okay? Well, it's not digital. It's it's more you have the actual analog. Well, it depends on what the music is and where it was recorded to. Because but, you mentioned like Taylor. Um, Swift. Swift. You know, I, I I didn't buy any Taylor Swift album. But really? So, <laughs> it sounds better. Her stuff sounds better on album? I can I see Aerosmith. Everybody does. Everybody does. does. Oh, yeah. everybody. It's, just, it's, yeah. it's a warmer, wonderful sound compared to... With today's technology? To, then why did we go away from it? Well, because it was more convenient for CDs and because the industry pushed it. Hmm. 
because uh, they could make, let's put it this way. If you were Joe Souchere and you owned, oh, I don't know, every Beatles album in the world, yeah. and suddenly I had an industry where I could sell you another copy of every Beatles album, but on something else, yeah. a CD for instead I'm of vinyl, wouldn't I do that? So, the so <laughs> think about that. They did that from album to cassette to CD. I so know, you but when you compared times. CDs to cassettes, there was no comparison. CDs were better. Well, don't forget eight tracks. And eight tracks. CDs eight tracks, were better. Yeah. Loved eight tracks. Clonk, clonk. Yeah. Right in the middle of a song. Right. Clonk. So the 20 somethings are going out and buying the Taylor Swift and then sitting around like we used to and flipping it over. And yeah. finding tracks in the middle, like we used yeah, to. Yeah, but so are people like, well, my age and older, because yeah, I'm yeah. buying stuff that... I know. can see us doing it, our generation. Yeah. I'm just having yeah. a hard time seeing the youngsters Gabe's doing it. He's got a uh, record player, and he is on a... A record player. Yeah, he's got a... What do you call him? Play, yeah. Is it play school? Plastic? It no, looks like a briefcase? No, it's legit. He requested <laughs> it because he wants to play albums. He goes and buys the albums. Yeah, so does my son. Yeah. Well, he needs a receiver and a no, tuner. It, no, you just and then hook up the speakers to that, and then hook up the turntable to the uh, receiver. That receiver you gave me is going in the burn pile. I'll I'm done it, with that I'll thing. Take it back then, uh, just can as a decoration. You, God, I hate it. Kenwood, it's an old. Pencil? It's probably from 1975. Yeah. Higher, Johnny. Go what higher. are you doing, John? I can't see, but right there is a gotta go higher. receiver, a turntable. I can't. I can't line it up. Oh, I see. There we oh, go. Yeah. There we, behind my hand right now. Yep, <laughs> I see it. Turntable. Yep. Oh, and yeah. Speakers, one's there and one's there, but you can't really see. But anyway, yeah. I, I, I would, I in my room, I never listen to anything except vinyl. Upstairs, I listen to CD. Right next to, is that a Playboy con Continue, collection? John. <laughs> it's it's not for the articles. Connection. Yeah. An open act of defiance in Iran is drawing praise in other countries around the world. Posters around Iran tell women, make sure you keep your headscarves on. Ooh. Those posters are everywhere. The hijab remains the official law in Iran. But all around the country, a lot of women are going about their business with their hair uncovered. It's a vivid reminder of the public uproar and anti-government protests that erupted after 22-year-old Masa Amini, a Kurdish woman, was killed in police custody in September. She had been arrested for improper wear of her headscarf. The government brutally cracked down on those protests, killing hundreds of people, jailing thousands. What began as anger at the hijab law, uh, law grew into a bigger movement as Iranians said they were fed up with the regime's corruption, economic mismanagement, and oppression of citizens. Now a visible minority of women in Iran are refusing to wear headscarves. In Iran, the hijab law has typically been enforced by the so-called morality police. They would stop women in the streets, detain them, and make them watch what they called a two-hour educational video. There have been reports of harassment and beatings in custody. Authorities have also fined women driving without headscarves. However, there seems to be a pause in the typical enforcement tactics. The morality police no longer appear to be operating in the streets. While there are reports of restaurants being fined for allowing women to dine uncovered, women not wearing the hijab said that no one had tried to stop them since last fall. A raft uh, of brown-colored seaweed. You Here we go. Yeah. This, Joe. yeah, in the Atlantic it Ocean. Now? It's so vast, as Joe said, it can be seen from space. It's about 5,000 miles, about twice the width of the United States. 
The thick blanket of sargassum floats between the Gulf of Mexico and the shores of West Africa. In open water, those giant mats of algae are mostly harmless and even have some benefits, including serving as a habitat for some fish and crustaceans and absorbing carbon dioxide. But ocean currents are pushing the sargassum west, causing hundreds of tons of seaweed to wash up on beaches across the Caribbean and Gulf of Mexico. There it can choke corals, wreak havoc on coastal ecosystems, and diminish water and air quality as it rots. Scientists say this bloom is one of the largest ever, stoking fears that seaweed invasions of beaches in the coming weeks and months could be particularly severe. I bet I know uh, who knows all about it. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. yeah. Now, the problem, uh, one, one thing is they can... Uh, cause uh, hydrogen sulfide to be released, and that causes respiratory problems for tourists. It also can block intake valves and power plants. Sargassum invasions can stifle tourism and remove hundreds of tons of algae from beaches is costly for the folks who have the problem. John, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, you don't want the government looking at your affairs Hell when you pass, you this, sure? when you pass no. this veil of tears. Get a hold of uh, Eckberg Lammers and create an estate plan. I don't care how old you are. You all need to do this. And Eckberg Lammers has been doing it for more than 70 years. Uh, that way, when... You, you know who's going through it right now? Huh? Um, Lee, uh, Priscilla Presley and the granddaughter. Well, no. They're, what they're, they're doing is fighting about it. Right. And Eckberg Lammers would prevent that. And uh, you, you have three objectives in mind. You want to avoid court minimize taxes and control your wishes and you can do that with the legally prepared estate plan which keeps you out of probate court and everything goes as you planned it it's not just for the elderly get it done now i don't care how old you are it's a, it's time to start the conversation and eckberg lammers will help you with a variety of family problems maybe you have some property in dispute like the presleys do mm -hmm. uh snowbirds maybe you have tax questions uh, you want to take care of all the children and the grandchildren in the family. That's all part of an estate plan. And uh, they've been doing this for a long time, and they strengthen their... Uh, they strengthen the will of you. Yes. They get it all taken care of so it's smooth. Estate planning, it's important, and uh, I've done it. I recommend it highly. Call Eckberg Lammers at 651 Four three nine two eight seven eight, or visit Eckberg Lammers and get this done, EckbergLammers.com. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Sucheret. Won't be long. That snow on your lawn will be gone. And that beautiful lawn is just a click away. Professionalturf.com. Welcome back to the GL Podcast 2023 Pro Turf. If you want the best lawn on the block, you got to go with the pros of Professional Turf, a company, a Minnesota company since 1982. Pro Turf has the best service techs. You'll meet 20 years of experience with a lot of these guys. They service the same routes. So they get to know your lawn. Actually, they know it better than you do. You can schedule a free in-person lawn care analysis. Get an estimate now at professionalturf.com. ProTurf will send out a service tech to assess your lawn. They actually walk your lawn and check it out. They'll customize a slow-release fertilizer and weed control plan. Not only environmentally safe, but it is uh, guaranteed 
for superior results. A beautiful, healthy lawn, free of crabgrass, dandelions, and broadleaves, just a click away. Professionalturf.com. I've been alerted to this by a couple of listeners. So I'm reading from the Powerline blog by uh, Scott. Isn't it Scott Johnson? Help me. Yes, uh, from the um, mm-hmm. center. Yeah. Uh, Stanford University. Isn't Stanford the one that uh, tried that trial balloon about a language list? Oh, I think yes. so. Yes. 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 Couldn't yes. use any of the words. And yeah. mm-hmm. Then they were shamed into realizing that was absurd. Uh, the Stanford Law School uh, apparently has a group within it called the Federalist Club, and they, that would be the kids who might be more interested in conservatism than other kids, for example, right? Yep. Uh, So they invited a Fifth Circuit judge named Kyle Duncan to Stanford. And his inclusion at an event sponsored by the Federalist Society uh, apparently was an inclusion too far. Uh, Duncan, who was shouted down by Stanford Law students as administrators looked on in silence, and says the protesters behave like, Duncan says, the protesters behave like dog bleep. Oh. In an interview with the Washington Free Beacon, Duncan called on the school to discipline the students who disrupted his talk and to fire the school's associate dean of diversity, equity, and inclusion, who stepped in during the event to chastise him and deliver what the judge described as a bizarre therapy session from hell. Duncan's remarks came after nearly 100 students at Stanford Law disrupted his remarks in a violation of of Stanford University's free speech policies. One source of the students' ire was Duncan's refusal in a 2020 opinion to use a transgender sex offender's preferred pronouns. The Stanford event, which was sponsored by the law school's chapter of the Federalist Society, got so out of hand that federal marshals eventually escorted Duncan from the building. Wow. Tyrion Steinbach, the school's diversity dean, arrived on the scene, probably in a 1959 Pontiac ambulance hearse, uh, when Duncan himself asked for an administrator to restore order. She then took to the podium... And in a video that is now circulated widely online, accused the judge of causing harm. Your opinions from the bench land as absolute disenfranchisement of the students' rights, Steinbeck said, accusing the judge of tearing the fabric of this community. Do you have something so incredibly important to say, she asked him, that is worth the division of these people? Remember, a transgender sex offender's profiles, he did, pronouns he didn't bother to use. Got it. And this caused these people to have a meltdown. Duncan warned that what happens at Stanford, long the second-ranked law school in the country behind Yale, is unlikely to stay there. If enough of these kids get into the legal profession, he said, the rule of law will descend into barbarism. Okay, the reason I bring this up is that I'm convinced these people with uh, job titles that can't be designed for accomplishment, they get excited when they have something to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so this, whoever this diversity director is raced to the scene of this speech and rather than calm the students down, reaffirmed their belief that they were offended because that's what diversity people do. That's what mm-hmm. They don't have anything else to do. Mm-hmm. So yes, this judge may be, must be offending you and we're, you're causing harm. Well, he didn't cause any harm. But these schools, are, they're failed. 
They're, they are failed academies. They're going to produce failed attorneys. And I've told you before, they're going to produce failed doctors. To the point where we've already seen what the bar exam lowered in several states. Yeah, and, and here you have Stanford, which I would imagine it costs a lot of money to go to Stanford Law School. And these these young people, they're aided and abetted by a meaningless job title called the Associate Dean of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And rather than correct this, rather than tell these students, you must also include other points of view, young people, she said to the judge, you're causing harm here and you should leave. Well, that's what these people do. Mm-hmm. And you wonder why I call it the failed academy. They're completely failed. But we need more money because our enrollment's going down. Right. Keep the money coming. One source of the student's ire. I don't know what other sources of their ire would have been. He was appointed by Trump, was he not? Uh, I don't know. Look him up, please. Uh, I'm looking up one of the apology stories from the Stanford Daily. Mm -hmm. What's his name? Uh, uh, Kyle... Kyle Duncan, D-U-N-C-A-N, Fifth Circuit Judge Kyle Duncan. He accepts the invite from the Federalist Society chapter of the Stanford University Law School, which would be... uh, He was appointed by President Trump. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe the students got upset at that. So no matter what he uh, was going to say, he was screwed. Yeah. Both the president of the school and the uh, law school dean have apologized. Oh, but not the... Diversity, uh, uh, whatever the meaning yeah, is called, no, dean, uh, the dean of diver- the associate dean of diversity. No, she actually asked Duncan if the juice was worth the squeeze, mm-hmm. implying um, whether Duncan believed his messages were worth the reaction. Uh, which implies then that, or supposes that the reaction always has to be exactly what the students want to hear. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's pathetic. Uh, I don't want to be rep- represented. Eckberg Lammers will never hire a lawyer from Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> the judge did get in a couple of singers. I'm looking for them. Um, they were pretty good, actually. <laughs> it's amazing to me. That's it. It's amazing. You you failed academies. You you keep doubling down and hiring these fools called deans of diversity, equity, and inclusion. None of them can accomplish anything, hmm. and therefore, when something comes up that loosely enough falls under the rubric of that meaningless title, they race to the scene and corroborate the students, not the speaker. Hmm. That's amazing. You saw it in Hamlin. Yeah. Right? Yep. While leaving the event early due to the disruption, Duncan said to a protester, you're an appalling idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Earlier in his speech, he claimed that the law school students were an echo chamber, and amid the protester's response to this comment, he said, in this school, the inmates have gotten control of the asylum. Absolutely. That's true of any failed academy this guy would visit, given his credentials. It used to be in this country, in colleges, you would welcome in opposing points of view and get to know them and study them and have a good, hearty debate. That's that's why the failed academy is ruining this country. They're the chief culprits. The failed academy is the chief culprit in the destruction of this country. It's surprising to me that law school students can be so stupid. Mm-hmm. 
No, it's not to me. When you when you listen to lawyers in the news on a daily basis, they're, there's a lot of dummies. They're not getting into <laughs> law to practice law. They're getting into law to be activists. That's right. This uh, person who is the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion director is a lawyer and is very much more involved in other things other than law. She's been a lawyer for 17 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's uh, she was the head of the ACLU for a while in Northern California. She went to Berkeley. Which, well, who's our local lawyer, uh, Rook, who won't come on the show? We've asked her many times. Who am I thinking of? Had the two last names uh, from you, diversity. Uh, Levy, um, Ar- uh, Levy Armstrong, now a different last yes. name. What's her first name? Pounds. Nakima. 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 Levy dash pounds now Nakivi Nakima. She responds to all my texts. It just says no. Well, she's a lawyer. Yeah. But she's not a lawyer that knows anything about the law. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in theory, she does somewhere in there, you know, given her title. Well, here's the blanket (laughs) statement that might have been mentioned last week. The graduates will graduate if they can demonstrate a proficiency in ideology rather than truth. Hmm. So you're going to get a doctor who's all up to speed on medical justice but has no idea about blood flow. You're going to get lawyers who are going to graduate because they... They're able to know everything in the world about inclusion and equity, but don't anything, don't know anything about torts. Yeah. yeah, and and that that's why the failed academy is ruining the country. Mm. If I may back you up on that, Joe, this person who is the dean of uh, diversity and equity mm-hmm. conducts classes and trainings on increasing mindfulness and cultural responsiveness in the law and legal profession. Uh, she launched the Coalition of Equity and Inclusion, dedicated to advancing greater cultural equity, inclusion, and diversity in the sector. And she's a lawyer, so I mean, right? And so all you, you have know. to do is kiss her fat ass, <laughs> and and graduate because you you can't grade that. Right, right. She also has a connection, by the way, to the Twin Cities. Uh, she she likes cooking, crafting, and hanging out with her family. And she says she'll always cherish the memory of the night she got to dance on stage with Prince. So there. Come on, <laughs> who hasn't, huh? <laughs> Just a quick note before we get to this day in history. Yes. And I can do this because this day in history is very brief today. Oh. Mm. Uh, Bob and Mary from Canoga Park write on a happier note for Fun Friday last Friday. Mm. I was in the Ralph Lauren outlet store in Albertville, Albertville last week. Let me stop right there. I didn't know there was a Ralph Lauren outlet store. Yes. Yeah, I think it's Albert- in Albertville. In yeah, there's right a, a 94. Mm-hmm. huge yeah, all outlet store. They there. That, are they the ones with the horses on the shirt? Yeah. Well, it's I'm a, going there. I love those shirts. It's uh, it's spendy, but they'll last forever. Well, why is it outlet if it's spendy? I thought that's no, I mean, where the I mean, seconds were taken. The, yeah, they are, but all the Ralph Lauren products. <laughs> yeah, there's like mustard more, stains aren't on them. Are they the ones with one sleeve is shorter than the other? Yeah, yeah no. Toothpaste stains. You're going to put them there anyway. You know? yeah. yeah, that's true. On a happier note, uh, I was in the Ralph Lauren outlet store in Albertville last week. A young couple filled four very large bags in the corner and then proceeded out the door as the alarm went off. 
I headed that way to meet a young female employee getting her phone out, not to call the police, but to try and get a picture of the license plate. She said it happens all the time. I shuffled out for a closer look as they drove off. There was no rear license, so I went to the curb as they needed to come back past me to exit the parking lot towards I-94. Predictably, the front plate was also missing. Wow. I felt an overwhelming need to push back, so I nailed the driver's door with an ice chunk the size of a coffee can. <laughs> I figured the odds of their return with $2,000 plus, $2, plus in stolen goods to file a police report against me wasn't likely. The sound of impact was nothing less than empowering to reinforce my he, him, hers pronoun status with shiny brass grapefruits in my polo shorts. But by chance, this black four-door Dodge Challenger was stolen from a GLer and is recovered. I will gladly pay for my juvenile outburst to have the door fixed at Schoonover's Body Works and Glass in Shoreview. It would be worth every penny. Have a great weekend. Bob and Mary from Canoga huh. Park. Same with me when I went to Walgreens yeah, and saw them steal all this stuff. Nobody was interested. They were being I don't stolen. I don't understand why we've just given up. Well, uh, aren't we just closing a Target now in Uptown? Yep. Yep. Didn't it just open? Not long ago. Yeah, not long ago. So Walgreens. rather than, you know what's happening, they're just... They're just giving up rather than call the cops. What, was it's it a worth it? Was it a baby target or a full on? I don't know the specific probably a baby. Size of it. But you know, the, we saw the announcement from Walgreens. It took them about seventy two hours, and they were out of there <laughs> mm-hmm. in Northeast Minneapolis. Only because they come to us all the way from Crystal. The Tom uh, from Tom Lyman, the traveling Lymans are in Crystal. They're at WorldwideWaftage.com. On this day, March 13th, in 1858, the year we became a state, the Kennebec County was formed out of Pine County. Kennebec is an approximation of Jinbig, the Ojibwe word for snake. The Snake River, Jinibig Zibli, Flows through Kennebec Kene, County. Uh, I have a question. Kennebec. Is it Kennebec or Kennebec? Kennebec. 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 That's 1858. Okay. It was statehood. Good yeah. to know. It was the only thing for this day. We didn't do much on this that day. That was it? No. no. March, March 13th, we, March 14th uh, is boring. we've laid low pretty much. Pretty much mailed it Since in. the history of the state, we've pretty much uh, <laughs> really uh, really been careful on the, on March 13th. Okay. And I'm, I'm officially ending space management. I did it yesterday. I'm done. I'm done. That if it is, happens again, I'm done. Every day you add another non-GLer saying to the list. Every single oh, day. That is I'm is sorry, anti- GLers. If that GL, lowers my rank what on about the next the, scale. Uh, what about the wow. half a foot we're getting on Friday? Well, we yeah. could get a half a foot in April. That's happened before. Sometimes yeah. it snows that in April. Blizzard? Hey, yeah. quick question here before I'll we shift into... Uh, before we get into Monday Night Sports Talk, <laughs> among the five of us, who has met Bob, um, Bob, Bud Grant? Well, God, I've known I, him well uh, all my life. I wouldn't consider him a buddy, but I've talked to him several times. He was Chris, at the Sports Shirt Stag. I covered him. He was great at the Sports Shirt Stag. John, I have a great story nope. about that. Okay. So, skilly. four oh, yeah, out so. of five here have met him. And I get we're probably skewed because we're in the business, but I. 
I met them at private functions. And I'm just wondering how many Minnesotans actually met the great man. Probably, I, I bet, a, probably a lot. I, I bet the number's pretty mm-hmm. high. Probably a lot. Yep. Or it is garage sales. You know, yeah. uh, I told yep. this to Reavers before this show. One of the reasons, and you guys have heard me whine about this, you know, get off my lawn. I tweeted a couple of things about Bud. I don't tweet often, but I, I miss the passing of Bud. He was a friend. And I tweeted, you know, when Bud was coach, you didn't have any carjackings. You didn't have any well, lootings. I can tell you what you did wrong. You did what? Well, you made it political. But see, you're you're wrong too. You didn't get. It's my fault. Nobody got the bit. The and I'll I'll reinforce this with Patrick. When Bud was coach, that was kind of the the inside joke among us that Bud was running the state. That that we you know we stood up straight. We took our hats off indoors. Bud was running the show. That would have been an awesome tweet. Well, I, I did it the way I did it, uh, incorrectly you, 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 believing you that think people too would much. get it. You think too much. People are morons. Yeah, well, yeah, of course <laughs> they are. Wrong there. You've got to dumb it way down on yeah, well, Twitter. Yeah, well, that's why I'm done with that BS. It's, dumb it down. It's just infuriating to... Yo. What'd you have for uh, supper last night, Joe? Cheese sandwich? A really good hash made with hot, uh, spicy sausage. Oh, boy. Oh, I like wow. hash. Yes, I do. Pre-Oscar, I <laughs> uh, had some leftover Chinese from Hong Kong. We don't Kong watch the Oscars on the show. I'm sure you were made and to. Then, Who the hell is Oscar? During the Oscars, Carboni's what? double sausage and pepperoni pizza. God. Boy, you, the whole family? No. Watch the Oscars? Uh, Mick and I, and then uh, Sophia jumped in on it. Did you rub each other's feet as you were watching? Uh, I didn't, yes, sir, but I did offer, and she turned that down. Good for her. I wonder what she was up to. That could be. Pizza and foot rubs don't really go well together. But GarageLogic.com goes well with the online store and the GarageLogic Town Council and YouTube. Subscribe to GarageLogic. That's like an audio foot rub, isn't it? (laughs) 